Hello, I'd like to welcome everybody to the CCW Safe podcast. I am your host, Rob High in Oklahoma City, joined by my co-host, Philip Naiman. Philip's out uh, out home back west in California, it looks like. This is the California studio, yep. How are you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. Doing great. Recovering. Doing great, though. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a minute to, to talk about that here shortly. Um, we've, we've been hooked up busy. Um, well, you were at shot show for a week, right? We did. We did shot show. Uh, I got to go out there for, for the week and then, uh, our production manager, Justin Collette and our, one of our owners, Kyle Sweet made it out towards the latter part of the week. Um, it was my first experience with shot and I'm still overwhelmed, but there was. Are you? Did you uh, wear a Fitbit and count your steps? No, no. Uh, it, it was pretty amazing, though. Um, yeah, my buddy from Smash Time was there, and he said he had seventy-seven thousand steps in four days, and he's a three hundred and ten pounder, so wow. he was done. Yeah, yeah, seventy-seven thousand. I I had I had plenty of good advice ahead of time saying wear good shoes make make sure you take care of your feet <clears throat> so yeah we got to got to go out and do that and then uh just arrived home and finished up down in florida meeting with the nypd's retired sergeants association a bunch of good guys out there that um we have a, a huge membership group with those guys and they uh they take really good care of us and we try to take really good care of them so they they do their annual business meeting down there because they they've got a lot of retirees and and uh, actually they have had that same meeting in a couple of places but it gives them info and up-to-date stuff on their insurance and things that are big concerns for retirees so um but you've been out hooked up and busy yourself haven't you that i have been been doing a lot of shooting and training and um yeah it's and then and then back and forth with prescott so we got snowed out of our place in prescott so yeah it's it's been a uh an odd an odd couple of weeks how's that yeah we we uh had to miss the snow in oklahoma this week and it was horrible. It was up in the eighties and it, it was hot and muggy and everything down there. Yeah. It sounds terrible. Hey, 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 hanging out in the Caribbean. It's terrible yeah, stuff. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, Could have gone to Michigan and had your meeting. Yeah. Well, wonder I'm why gonna, they didn't do that. I'm going to catch the good stuff next week. We, we're going to trade snow for ice is what it sounds like. So nice. Welcome to Oklahoma. Yep. Yep. Oklahoma. It's good stuff. Anyway, so um, you got back from Shot Show. You're back on town. You're in in here, and now you wanted to say uh, what's going on and um, some of the training that I got involved in. In January, I went to Boulder City. Have you ever been to Boulder City, Nevada? Have not. No. Uh, let me tell you this: Boulder City is a unique place. It's 30 minutes east southeast of. Uh, of Vegas outside of Henderson 
I was there for four days. I saw zero transients, zero graffiti, zero litter, zero sirens. It was, and to be that close to Vegas, so it was so noticeable. I'm walking down the street the first night I got there, going to a restaurant just right in the middle of downtown. It's a cute little place, you know, they got the lights in the trees and that kind of stuff. It was so noticeable that there wasn't any uh, normal city life, uh, free range felons, <laughs> that the first place I went to, I, I said, hey, you know, am I like in the Stepford Wives town? What What is going on here? It was so noticeable. But they've apparently got a city manager and a chief of police and a city council that said, no, we're not going to recreate Vegas. We're going to have quality of life here. And it, every place I went, you know, what's and I bring this up because it's achievable. You know, we don't have to have uh, cities putting up with this stuff. I, I physically saw it. And, and you know, coming from Prescott, which is a very great clean city and seeing a difference from that to Boulder city, that there was another level you could achieve. I'm like, man, um, I need to hire that, that chief of police and bring him in. He should be doing the national national circuits. And, uh, here's how we fix things folks, because it was amazing. And, and the people who were there, I had dinner with several people just, you know, sitting in, in restaurants and, um, they all, they're all bragging about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is the way we want it. This is what we've chosen. And this is, you know, we support the police hundred percent and we're all good with this. This is awesome. So it was, it was a noticeable thing. And I was there for the, uh, the sheepdog response, uh, series one training. That was where they did their classrooms and their shooting was out of Boulder city. And then their, uh, MMA version or the wrestling version was, was in Vegas itself. So where, where did they do the, the grappling portion? There's a giant MMA um, gym right across the freeway from the UFC office. And of course, I'm forgetting its name right now, but it was big. It was a really nice facility, clean, huge mats, open. Um, it was just a, it was a really nice, well-run facility um, right there in, in an industrial area. Well, we, we've had uh, questions from folks asking us about, about different trainings and you know, tell me about this one, tell me about that one. What, who's, who's an instructor to go see? So let, let's break down your class. Let's, let's kind of go through what, what you were able to digest for, what was sure. it, four days? Uh, it was, I was there for four days, but it was uh, two and a half. Okay. Two and a half days of training. Um, I was seeing clients in, in the area. So I went early anyway. So um, started off with the classroom session, kind of a meet and greet and a classroom session in the evening on Wednesday, I believe it was at a local municipal room. And it basically, they were going over what the program was going to be for the week. And they did a big thing on situational awareness, which the, the gist of the course is trying to get people who, um, are not trained, not police officers, not military SF guys, but to get them into, you know, a, a protective mindset, a good body structure, how you carry yourself, um, things you're looking for, things you're mindful of, how you're walking with your family, you know, th those kind of things. And it was really great. And one of the guys who was a speaker there, his name was Garrett from South Carolina. 
was a Marine uh, on two prosthetics. You know, he, he'd lost his limbs in, uh, I believe it was Iraq. And, you know, he's there, he's talking about what he has to do and how he has to keep himself in, in charge. He was a pretty impressive uh, guy. Uh, there also were two other instructors that were, one of them was the Army combatives instructor. His name was Yako, uh, Polynesian guy. And then Steve, who who looked like a surfer dude from uh, from Colorado, but you can't really be a surfer dude from Colorado. But he was a really a good guy, and uh, they were they were all great. But they were the main instructors. Uh, this is Tim Kennedy's group, but they're the main instructors for the Sheepdog One. He came in the second day, and um, he was there. I think for their it was just the week before Shot Show. He was there doing the training session for their level two class. And then he was in town for the shot show. So when you get into the shooting portion, what, what kind of stuff? So, we, so, so yeah, the first, the first night was basically, it was dry, you know, uh, dry as far as no activity other than listening and, you know, getting to know a few of the people around you and everybody there was great. It, it, you know, the nice thing was there weren't any, there, there weren't any egos except for mine. Um, so I appreciated that, you know, as long as I was the only one, right. You know, but the, everybody was there to learn. They all had great attitudes. So I thought the crowd was great. And there was like 40 of us the first night, I think 37 made it to the shooting range, but um it was a full day started at seven in the morning on the mats and we went till just about noon. And then at one o'clock we met on the shooting range and we went till dark both days. So all handgun focused. Do you do any long gun? Work? Yeah, this was, this was all handgun. It was handgun uh, from retention. So it was drawing and firing there. Um, the range is a huge place. This, this, range out there in the middle of uh, of uh, Henderson is just a an absolutely ginormous range and so we had a very large bay all to ourselves and you know it's again one of the problems you have with a series one class is the level that people come into a series one with Right. So to my right and my left on the shooting line, I had two of the best shooters with me. We were, you know, really making nice, pretty targets. And out of 37 people, there was probably a dozen that shot well. But that meant that there was 25 who weren't. And so the instruction level had to be geared to the 25 people who weren't. Uh, you know, some people flew in and rented guns. So they had zero um zero experience with a firearm at all. And so I think when you have a course, as long as that uh, recommendation I would make is separate the shooters. If, if you're going to need more people with hands-on teaching them how to load a magazine uh, and you've got other guys who are paying there who are, you know, they have to, if they're going to go in your system, they have to take this course. We'll separate it out, you know, have them shooting off the barricades and moving and shooting and stuff like that faster for the rest of their day after you've done your qual. And the qual typically is, you know, two magazines, slow fire, see what your target looks like. You know, is there a hole in the middle? Is there a pie chart, low left? Is it look like you're using a shotgun at five yards? You know, what, 
you know, there's different levels all the way around, right? Some people can't see the side picture. That's why they got a berm behind us. So, you know, I think that that would have been a recommendation I would make. And not just for that, but any multiple session shooting course that they should, you know, you're going to scale people. You're going to know who you, who you want on your right, who you want on your left. Um, and, and you can have a better chance of surviving everything, but you want to make it worthwhile for everybody in there all the way around. And so I think that, you know, if you're ever going to do a multiple day or multiple level shooting class, you should segregate them, have, have people in different groups. Okay. These guys are going to do fast gun stuff. These guys are going to load magazines. And anyway, that that's my number one thing I wish that they would fix because I, I didn't get to shoot as much as I came to shoot. I went home with ammo, you know? Wow. That's not, that's not good. Yeah, that, that's never accounted for. I, I want to be screaming Randy last mag, you know, it just, but it's not there. So um, <laughs> I, I wanted to, and that's why, that's why you go to a course with, uh, with people like that who are good trainers is you want to be able to shoot and move, you know? Um, yeah. At the very end, we had this one scenario that everybody got to go. So I went through it twice and, and, uh, they're looking at me, they go, did you already shoot? And I just pointed forward. I knew I wasn't gonna lie. <laughs> I want to shoot. I'm gonna shoot again. I don't care. <laughs> it's the end of the day. What do you do? Kick me out. <laughs> I didn't I didn't shoot as well on the first one. I want to do it again. So yeah, it was it was all good. And the instructors were very, very good. We had um well, there was probably an instructor on the line for every four people. You know, so they they when they got to the shooting range, there was a lot of lot of eyes on and and with a different level of shooters, you really do need to have a lot yeah. of eyes on. Yeah. Um, something that we always did is we would identify sets like that. It's like, okay, you've got this guy over here that is really truly entry level, but I've got two guys over here that are kind of high speed. So I'm gonna put this guy over here with them. So that they get their reps, they get to the the shooters get to shoot, and I can kind of focus on him and try to hustle him up to speed a little bit. Um, it, that's a hard dynamic as as the instructor group, though. It, it is. I, I know it is. And the other part is, um, I think as somebody going to one of these courses, you know, you're paying. They're not cheap. You're paying good money to go to this course. I think you should have your basics down, right? You should, you should know how to fire a pistol. You should know how to draw a pistol. Uh, take your your local course at your NRA guy and have them have them run you through that. Uh, I know one of the people is a young gal. She flew in from New Jersey and you know didn't have access, but you can go to a range. There there are gun ranges there. Somebody could. And just saying, help them get to the next level so that they can get what they're paying for because they're not going to they're not going to learn much when they're so focused on grip, you know, and, and they're, we're there for other things, but you're, you're still working on grip for an hour. Um, it, it's, they would have got more out of it had they, you know, prepared a little bit more in advance. Well, and I think that's something that, that instructors can do a better job of sometimes, you know, you know, you see, you guys that all of a sudden go well sheepdog sounds really cool and i've seen tim kennedy's stuff um it, I, I think it'd be really neat to go through his stuff and you've done no groundwork ahead of time so 
it, it's the same as and the ground the groundwork was fun you know well, i do have, have a i have a little bit of a mat time uh now so I, it was it was good for me um yeah it was it was good so the mat work started off obviously they're, they're doing the same thing they're judging where everybody's at so you're starting with with pummeling drills uh stand up pummeling and and you worked with everybody in the group it wasn't like you clicked off they just had an inside circle outside circle and people rotated so you literally rolled with everybody there and and i like that too um whether or not they like rolling with me, I don't know. But uh, I like the fact that you were always going. And there were some guys there who, well, one guy um, was teaching his, has his own martial arts studio in uh, in Manhattan Beach area. Um, he didn't he didn't let that out of the bag. His friend did. But, you know, it was, it was great. It was really fun that uh, there was all different levels of people there and sizes. You know, we had a 260-pound bodybuilder. The guy looked so intimidating. His arms were as big as my head. And I got a big head. Um, you know, just all different shapes and sizes and it was really cool to work out with everybody on that and so they started with basic defenses and and in their course again this is like nine hours of jujitsu in two days they they taught basic attacks basic sweeps um you know advance your position this is the best position to be in this is the worst position how do you go from the worst to the best and and those were the drills and i thought those were very good and very functional um, you know, we left a lot of sweat in that room. So that was great. <coughs> Excuse me. That, that was a, a really a good time. And again, we had a great black belt instructors there. Um, uh, Yako, uh, the army combatives instructor, you know, and he was this Polynesian guy. He was, uh, he was pretty awesome. And Steve, those are the guys on the mat all day long. And uh, we, we learned a lot there. And then the second day they brought in, in weapons. So it's interesting how, especially if you've, if you've worked out in a gym, like a jujitsu gym or judo or what, whatever you're doing, you know, there's mat etiquette, right? I'm, I'm a bigger guy. Um, I get into bad habits of not putting hundred percent pressure on a smaller opponent, right? Uh, I'll try and hold them a different way. I won't just, just squish them. Yeah, and uh, well, it's a bad habit. Because all of a sudden there's a gun or a plastic gun or a plastic knife in the mix and everybody's going hundred percent and boy, that changes the dynamic. That, that was the most interesting thing. So you, you did some rolling and introduced weaponry. Yeah. Yeah. They had, uh, you had to have it concealed. So this is where I actually got to roll with Tim Kennedy and uh, we'll <laughs> tell you about that. Um <laughs> So, so the drill was everybody pairs up. One guy has a weapon. It's supposed to be concealed. So you don't know who it is. Well, obviously, you know, if it's you that have it or don't. Right. So um, they had plastic knives and plastic guns, and you're supposed to just kind of roll a little bit till the guy who had the gun, gun or weapon in concealment went for it. Then, you know, it's there. Then you fight for the, the item, whatever it is. And, you know, they had, it was, it was good. It was really good training because you can get blindsided. You know, we've talked about that before where people are stabbed to death. They don't even realize it. Yes. And, you know, okay, I've, I've got this or, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden there's something hitting you in the side and you look down and 
holy cow, where did that come from? So I thought that that was great. The other thing was while you were wrestling with this, the instructors were going around to see who wasn't watching their six all the time while you're wrestling. And you might end up two on one um, if you didn't have your your back uh, covered, right? And so that was interesting. And that didn't happen to me because I did keep an eye over my shoulder. Remember Steve, one of the instructors came up and he goes, he, I was watching him all the way. And he goes, that's good. And he, he wouldn't attack somebody else. But, you know, you just, it's interesting, the different dynamics that you're in. Um, similar to when you're shooting on the range and they say after you shoot, reassess, scan, all that stuff. Well, you need to look behind you because, you know, they're, they're behind you and maybe they have a hand signal or something. And it just, they do little things to, to keep you on your toes and, and really the way you should be all the time, but it's, it's hard to be on all the time, but the, the rolling was great. Um, Tim came, Tim Kennedy came in the last day, about the last hour of our course. And that's when the weapons were introduced. And for whatever reason, uh, I was the dummy. <clears throat> So we're, 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 we just had the weapons handed to us and he just points to me and, you know, all of a sudden I'm okay. So I'm on the ground and he's, he's going to show how to disarm me with a, with a knife. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I have a mute button here. I should use it. So, um, it was, it was great. You know, he, he, he says, look, he pointed out to somebody else. He says, look at your side control. You know, you're giving this guy too many gaps. And, and the guy fought MMA for, I don't know, something like 18 years. You know, he got hit in the head by Chuck Liddell since he's been 18 years old. He, he's a different breed. He is so high energy and his shoulders, honest to God, are this wide. It, it's, it's a bizarre thing. He is super, he is super, super strong and, and he's fought for his entire life and he knows what he was talking about. You know, so um, anyway, I could tell the difference when he was just demonstrating and he, you know, did some moves on me. I'm like, son of a gun, this would suck to have to roll with this guy. Right. Because he's he is he's he's very good. You know, you don't get to be that level MMA and all that stuff if you're a if you're a faker. And then later on that day, um, he was he was on the mats rolling with everybody. Not, not quite everybody, but he was rolling people. I turned around and he was walking by and I go, Hey, let's just get this over with. So that was the drill where one of us had a, had a weapon. That was me. I had the gun in my waist and he goes, Oh, you got to cover it up. So I pull out my rash guard and covered it up. And as soon as we go, I make a move for my gun. And all of a sudden he's stabbing me. And I'm like, where'd that other bat come from? Right. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm the only one who brought a, a gun to a knife. Fight, right. And, and, and now it's like, well, forget the gun. I've got to control this blade that keeps hitting me like a sewing machine. And, and so now your focus is on that and you just don't quit. You know, yes, I'm dead, but I'm still going to fight for five minutes with this guy. And I don't, I don't know if it's possible to die more often than I did uh, rolling with him. I think I counted 673 death blows in five minutes. I think that's a world record somehow. But it was, you know, I mean, he's got great positioning. He's stronger than hell. He's got great positioning. He knows what he's doing. And and you don't know. I I thought it was a very eye-opening 
for me, because you don't know who you're running into on the streets. You have a gun. You think you're the only one who's in charge of this and a knife comes out of nowhere. That was, you know, again, expect the unexpected. Uh, don't assume anything. And, and that was great. So this, he, he you know, we're, we're rolling and I isolated his arm and I brought it over my, my head. And, and, you know, if I'm in a turtle position in jujitsu, I've got some things I've practiced. I know how to get out of. Right. So I, I post his arm and that's the arm with the knife in it. And like, okay, I got him. I'm going to roll him here. And he reaches down with his left hand and takes the knife out of his right hand and keeps killing me. I'm like, you know, they don't, yes. they just don't teach that stuff. Yes. <laughs> like, I got him. Nope. I'm still dying. I'm still dying here. Somebody send in a mop because my blood is over this entire jujitsu mat. I have, yeah, I'm leaking everywhere, but it was, uh, it was very, I don't know. I liked it. I was dreading rolling with him, but I'm glad I did. You know? Yeah. I died. I died 673 times, but you know, at least I, I got killed by, by that guy. I, I always think it's really good that, to see stuff like that though, um, to know what potentials are out there. Um, and it's not necessarily the potentials used against me, but I, I have a baseline to see this is where I'm at. And I'm probably not ever gonna be this guy, but I can sure be better than the guy I am today. Um, so those, those are motivating factors for me. Those are things that that make me want to dive in a little bit more than I maybe have at the time. Yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing, you know, <clears throat> I think, but well, it should be like a high school course because everybody should understand how important it is now to see somebody's hands when you're an officer, right? And it's one of the things they kept saying is hands are what kill you right? Hands are what kill you. There's a knife, there's a gun, there's a whatever it's in their hands. Hands are what kill you. And, you know, my example of rolling with Tim Kennedy, uh, his hand all of a sudden came up with a knife. It's like, where the hell did that come from? That's not yeah. the question. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Here it is. You, right? a, you knew you had a weapon and you weren't concerned with him having one. Exactly. That's the assumption, which got me uh, stitched up um, 673 it. times. Huh? <laughs> I said, you got killed it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I majored in it. That was my... Uh... <laughs> you know, uh, back in early 2000s, um, Stan and I both got invited to a big national uh, defensive tactics instructor school. And it was an invite only. And you knew on day one how serious they were because as you were starting to do kind of the feeling out stages and, and do just very basic fundamental things, you'd see somebody come in the room and tap someone on the shoulder and thank them for showing up, but you're not quite ready for this course. And they would take you to the airport. Um, and it was a five week long school and it, and it culminated with a 20 minute fight test against the staff um that's horrible absolutely horrible but Love that day. Was, yeah that was the first time uh stan and i either one had been 
involved in defensive tactics with very organized, uh, well-constructed grappling over a firearm. And you that was something that we they had us do on day one. And it was horrible. Yeah, and it's a whole it, different thing. It, it was horrible. So, and and you've taken out, you know, there's no kicking, no punching, no biting. Everything else pretty much, or eye gouging. Anything else is, is open season and go. So <clears throat> my first bout with that went five minutes and my arms were useless the rest of the day. I was squeezing so hard trying to, just trying to maintain possession. So these are these are things that that I like to point out to people that that yeah I carry a gun I do this. Understand the responsibilities that go with possessing that thing in a in a public forum. You need to yep. you need to be well versed in all aspects, and it's harder than you think. <laughs> it is. It's uh, the other part. <clears throat> that I think that would be a great drill, obviously with a blue gun or something like that. But, you know, there's the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, there's the 21 foot rule or whatever that's supposed to be that somebody can cover seven meters before you can draw and fire. Well, most people don't start 22 feet away to come attack you. So, um, although that might be a fun drill, that's not what's really happening. What happens is all of a sudden, and someone's got hands on you, you're framing, you're in the mix. And how do you draw your gun? It's in concealment. It's under a jacket. It's under a clothes and a jacket. It's in a pocket. It's on your rear hip. Uh, it's, it's wherever, it's not in your hand, which is where you need it right then and there. And how do you frame and create space to draw? And then when you reach down and draw, he sees it and he's got two hands on your hand and now where are you doing? You know, I mean, it was, that part was amazing that when you're, when you're in that close combat stuff, um, the knife seemed to be way more, honestly, it seemed to be not just because I got killed with a knife 673 times in five minutes, but it seemed to be more accessible, easily, more easily drawn, more easily deployed. And, you know, almost to the point of, just make sure your gun doesn't come out, but go for a secondary it was, was almost what it looked like because <clears throat> once the gun's out, now you gotta, you've got to, it's directional. It can be, it can jam. It can be tied up in your clothing. There's so much involved in that, that you don't get from going to the range and you don't get from static line practice. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think that I think it, it helped me out a lot, at least just to open up my mind. Matter of fact, this weekend I'm going with uh, Raul Martinez at Rogue Methods. Um, well, I'm going to go get beat up again this weekend. So, yeah, if, if you want to beat up the guy from Firing Land Radio Show, show up Saturday, Sunday. I'll be the Uke. <laughs> I'll be the guy. Throw me around there. Um, you know that's that's a big deal. Um, you know, I know guys that train firearms that cross over and do some, some basis of, of martial art involvement, you know, they, whether it's a judo or jujitsu or they wrestle or uh, Muay Thai, whatever it is that, that they jump into. Um, 
but they don't ever cross over and, and put them together. And that's a big deal. So we, uh, it, it, it's really cool to find a system where, where they can plug stuff together. You know, we had Todd Fossey on his, his whole thing is integrated defense systems. Yep. Uh, all of the ShipWorks guys have been doing this for a long time. So you got uh, Craig and Paul Sharp and all of those guys that have developed all these things and they make that a routine part of their their drilling, their their training. Because if you're not training it, you just, you know, you have a mental working knowledge of it. It's completely different when that thing is live. Yeah, and you can only die once. You can't die 673 times and get up and talk about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the um, other thing is um, they've, they've got a system, I think, that they're kind of instituting between those people. Um, I know they talked about it. Kennedy was one of them. But they have something that they're calling a combatives, <clears throat> combatives martial art. And it's interesting because it's not just rolling. It's not just striking. It's everything involved, including firearms and fitness levels. You have to have this level of fitness, this level of strength, this, you know, so they have these different qualifications in there that I think is really interesting because it's more of an all, all around approach. Um, it's almost like uh, there's a new thing out called the tactical games. It's like CrossFit with a gun or multiple guns, pretty cool stuff, you know, so it's, it's now my ship has sailed for that. I don't, I don't have the knees for that anymore, but um, it, it's interesting the level of training that is coming out now. And I think that we would all be better off if we find something, some level of it and, and get involved in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and yes, I would, I would be that guy that would be just ridiculous, fully immersed in something like that. And I'm, I'm finally at that age group that I, I get a free pass out. I don't have to go do that because <laughs> I would want to, I, I would want to see where I stand. Uh, come on. You're younger than I am. Uh, I think I was the oldest guy in the class. Oh goodness. By about 15 years. So yeah, I remember my dad getting so frustrated with me once and I was, I was in my mid forties and we were getting ready to go compete at the, uh, the uh, world police and fire games. And I was jumping in everything. I was doing judo. I was doing freestyle wrestling. I was doing Greco wrestling. And he just like slumped and said, when are you going to be out of eligibility? And I'm in my sixties and now I I'm out. I don't have any more. I'm done. <laughs> I practice. That's all I do. <clears throat> Yep. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm leaving a, leaving this afternoon to San Diego area, and that's where we're going to do the next the next bout of training. So yeah. we'll we'll have another report for you. I'll uh, show you my bruises, and uh, we'll go from there. Most excellent. So moving forward, we've got uh, TACCON coming up here in another what? month and a half, almost two months now. Where's that at? It's down at the Dallas Pistol Club. Um, 
it's Tom Gibbons group, the range master group. It's a amazing training seminar. Um, again, it's kind of like, uh, a smorgasbord kind of thing. You get to go in and spend a weekend and, and get to sit and have multiple instructors that you get time with and introduce into their stuff and kind of helps you make a, uh, a good decision helps you make those good decisions on, you know, there's Philip Naiman. I want to make sure I get his class or, or I thought I wanted to take this class, but I sat through four hours now. And, and I think I'd rather, you know, my money would be better spent over here. Um, but those are, those are not, there's are you instructing not a, or are you just uh, participating? Uh, both. I'll, I'll be presenting this year. Um, but the big deal is, is just the ability to find all these guys you've seen and you've, you've been able to, to, uh, follow and, and thought that, you know, Hey, if I ever get the chance to go to, to, uh, Wayne Dobbs class or, uh, Chuck Haggard's class, you can go in, you can see what they have to offer and then go, yep, that's going to be money well spent. I'm going to go spend three or four yeah. days down the road. So. Um, those are those are great opportunities when you have those. Um, Jacob Paulson has the one that he does out here in Oklahoma, the Guardian Nation Conference. He puts that on um, in September, September, isn't it? Yeah. But same thing. Got a got a huge lineup of really first class instructors, and you can see. And again, that's that's another place that, like you were talking about with with. Uh, your course that you went through that that you've got guys that are coming in from entry level skills to guys that are competitive shooters so it, it's a lot of fun you'll see guys that have got just years and years of experience just because they have a, a love and a passion for for firearms and then you got guys that are in the full-blown competition arena and then you're going to have guys that have got military backgrounds or law enforcement backgrounds and all of those things um are things that, that you kind of get to pick and choose and you know i'm gonna it, that doesn't work for me so i'm not going to do that but that that really does benefit me and and makes me a more responsible better prepared carrier or defender and and those are the kinds of i, I like having the opportunity for those kinds of courses where you can really see what's what's available out there and it involves you know, we've had Andrew Brink out there doing uh, the legal aspects of it. You get Chuck Haggard, for at least for Guardian, is doing the less lethal stuff. You got uh, Todd Fossey's out there doing combative stuff. Tons of guys that are doing firearm stuff. <clears throat> so we we talk about it, and, you know, Phil and I bring it up all the time, and, and it's knowing your mission, but uh, just just knowing what your mission is is, is just where you begin and then now it's starting to build all the skills that that fit in to to make you the best prepared for that so and typically that that's for my protection and my loved one's protection so um that that's about it for for today phil you got any takeaways just my bruises and my ego my bruised ego and my bruises yeah <laughs> I lived with those for way too long. 
Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I really, I, I really enjoyed the training. And like I said, you know, hands, right? Man, hands are what kill you. That was a major takeaway. That's why you always see the police officers screaming, show me your hands, show me your hands. And you don't realize until you're in that, you know, it was a, a sanitized training scenario, but you don't realize exactly how fast things escalate negatively for those police officers if they can't see somebody's hands. So that was, that I think they should, uh, they should run every reporter through a course like that. You know, we did, we did a, uh, a, a deal where, you know, I ran the police academy for almost 10 years and I, I always referred to these as weapons delivery systems. Um, same thing. Hands are what kills you. So, yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing everybody. Um, we'll be back next week. We appreciate you tuning in. If you guys have any questions, anything you want to be uh, covered, something that we could look forward to bringing you, um, you can reach out to me directly. It's Rob, R-O-B, at ccwsafe.com. And Phil, thank you so much, brother. I'm glad that you have survived your <laughs> lethal injuries. Uh, yes. Yeah, we had to stitch up really quick. <laughs> Dermabond, my friend Dermabond. Yeah, they dipped me in it. It was like a dip tank. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see everybody next week. Thank you all so much. God bless. Bye.